Amen. Uh, you may be seated, those in the room, and uh, all of you online been looking. Wow, the praise is going up in the room and online this morning, and so it's just neat to uh, be part of this and to uh, worship with you in all the ways that we are. Let me mention, as we return on July 5th, our online service will continue to push out to Facebook and YouTube. It'll do that at 930 and our cameras, which uh, uh, once you return, you'll see are in a prominent place in our room, will continue to be in a prominent place in our room as we will uh, so uh, embrace those of you who have joined us uh, anew in the last uh, weeks and months now, uh, but who also don't feel super comfortable coming back uh, yet. And so I uh, just want you to know that. Well, uh, uh, things are a lot different this morning. I, I'm wearing a, a semi-dress, so that's one thing. Um, but the other thing is I brought with me a snow boogie board. Uh, that's what it is, but you can tell it, it's got uh, sand all over it. So let me explain this. Uh, we've had this uh, a snow boogie board for 18 years. So 18 years we've had this board, and when Trent was a, uh, just a little kid, uh, we go to the beach, and uh, I would take him out. Uh, I don't know why we bought a snow boogie board for the beach. I don't know if it was just at the house. I don't know, but this is what we used. Super slick on the back. I take him out, just a little thing. It's hard to imagine him being little now, but I take him out, and as far as I could go out, because I can't swim, so as far as I could go out without drowning, I would take uh, Trent out with me, and I would put him on this uh, board, and I would say, son, let's wait. And so we'd wait for that wave that we thought would take him all the way in. And I'm telling you, we would, he would ride waves all, I mean, uh, I mean, 30, 40 feet, sometimes more, all the way in, and he'd love it. And so I just kind of go running in after him, and he'd say, let's do it again. And so here we go again, back and forth on this snow boogie board. We bought boards at the beach. Nothing worked like this snow boogie board. But one of the things we discovered is that timing was everything. You had to catch the wave that was big enough, and this is on the East Coast, so there aren't many of those, but you'd have to catch the wave that was big enough, put him on it, and so that he could ride it as far as he could. I want to uh, share something with you this morning that perhaps you have never thought about, and I've never preached through 1 Peter, but I want to share something with you this morning that, the, uh, that perhaps has never occurred to you and is especially hopeful now in this series on hope. What it is is that the time in which you have been born and live is most unique. I'm not talking about the pandemic. There have been more than one pandemic. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the awful unrest and the awfulness of the last few days and the event that led up to that. I'm not talking about that either. What I'm talking about, Peter reveals to his 
audience in this passage applies to them and to you. And here it is. You'll see it on the screen. What prophets saw from a distance and angels see from afar, we experience up close. What prophets saw from a distance and angels see from afar, you and I get to experience up close. So let's jump in. Scott has read this text for us concerning this salvation. The prophets who prophesied about this grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Two truths to take home with you this morning or to write down at home where you are. Number one, the prophets long to see what we see. The prophets long to see what we see. Notice this, concerning this salvation, you look back at verse 3 and verse 9 from last week, and we discovered that the salvation that you and I enjoy was given according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And verse 9 says, it is the salvation of your souls. The prophets knew this was coming, and so they searched carefully. They inquired. This means they investigated. They scrutinized. They looked at it in detail. They wanted to know two things. Who's going to be the Messiah, and when is he coming? Who is he, and when is he coming? So they searched Diligently, they inquired. Reminds me of the great William Wilberforce. I've read more than one biography of him. He had one aim in life, to end slavery in England. That was his goal. If you've never read a Wilberforce biography, you should powerful. But what's remarkable is that Wilberforce worked on this for years, encouraged by the great John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. He worked on this for years. But on July 29th, 1833, William Wilberforce died. And yet the act that was enacted in Parliament was not yet approved by the royal house until August 28th of 1833. He died one month before his life dream became a reality. He saw it. He worked toward it. He worked tirelessly to abolish slavery. I've been to Africa. I've been out in that place where the slaves last saw their mother country. 
I have been there in those slave holding cells. I've stood quietly in that building where they said so many slaves died that sharks swirled around to eat them when they fell into the ocean. Leaving Africa to go to France, to go to England, atrocious. Wilberforce gave his life to end that. Died before it happened. In a sense, that's how the prophets were. They gave their whole life to try to figure out two things. Who is the Messiah and when is he coming? Who is he and when is he coming? Who is he and when is he coming? They longed to to, to know that. Well, why? The spirit of Christ in them. Lest you think Jesus never lived before he was born of a virgin, Mary, Jesus was at the beginning when God said, let us create. He was talking about Jesus. Let us, Father, Son, and Spirit create. What did they long to know? When the Spirit of Christ in them predicted It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament to make known ahead of time. What? The sufferings of Christ. The prophets knew he would suffer. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah was one of those prophets 700 years before the birth of Christ he wrote. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Isaiah here in this whole chapter is talking about that Messiah. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't attractive. He wasn't appealing. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Isn't it amazing how Isaiah, inspired by the spirit of Christ in him, to write about the Christ that would be born? Isn't this remarkable? Surely he has borne our griefs. He writes as if it has already happened. That's a sure and certain prophecy, isn't it? He writes as if it is all, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I, I could just imagine Isaiah in this moment so wants to meet this Jesus. Can you not imagine that in this moment he so wants to see him? He so wants to look at him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Oh, wow. But he was what? Pierced. For our transgressions. Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah's prophecy of piercing comes before a cross existed in Roman history. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. With his wounds we are healed. The spirit of Christ in Isaiah rising up out of Isaiah and saying, write these words down. There is coming a day and there is coming a Jesus. And when this Jesus comes, this is how he will be. Wow. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Well, Isaiah, how how exact do you want to be? Isaiah, how precise ought you to be? Look at this. And they made his grave with the wicked. Who was Jesus crucified with? Two criminals. But let's get a little more precise, Isaiah. By the way, you're going to jump deep into this in life group this week. It's going to be good. Let's get a little more precise. And with a rich man in his death. Wow. Who was that rich man in Jesus' death? Joseph of Arimathea, who came forward, uh, had become a follower of Jesus and said, could I have his body? I, I have my own tomb. Can we put him in my own tomb, in his body? Rich man in his death. Criminals hanging by his side, rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He will come out of the tomb. He will rise again. He will live again. This is what Isaiah is saying. Amen? This is what he is saying. Oh, he'll go into that tomb. It'll be a rich man's tomb. He'll die with soldiers at his side. This is 700 years before Jesus ever landed on planet earth. Wow. Out of the anguish of his soul, In Garden of Gethsemane, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Who's that? It's you who sit at home and worship so faithfully now for the 11th or 12th Sunday. It is you who are in Africa and Cherdna who has reached out to me this morning and said, we had our first worship service today, sent me pictures in a place surrounded by people who do not know and love Jesus. Cherdna faithfully gets up and ministers and pastors. Many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The Spirit of Christ in Isaiah said, write that down. Wow. This week in Life Group, you will identify the accurate predictions of Jesus' suffering to what really happened from Isaiah 53. I encourage you right now, whenever your group meets, go to Isaiah 53. Just take the passage and start writing everything down. I've given you a few to get you started. Peter says the sufferings of Christ and the glories. The groan comes before the glory does, it most likely does in 
every aspect of your life too. We have these sayings, right? No pain, no gain. So it was with Jesus. This week we'll ask you also in life group to to get personal. How has suffering come before glory in your life? How has it? If you've suffered then, how do you see glory now? Well, what are the glories to be revealed that Peter writes about? Peter answers this question in chapter 3. 3 verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. When Jesus died, he resurrected. When he resurrected, he ascended. And when he ascended, angels, authorities, and powers subjected to him. He may have come as a weak baby, but he rose as a strong king. He may have come weak and frail and and helpless and in need of his mother, but he is in need of nothing today. Isaiah wasn't the only one. I love Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4 because this gets right where you and I live. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. Who is he? The Spirit of Christ. What do you have for me today? And what I will answer according to my, concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. Here it is. Habakkuk, you've got a story. You've got a vision. But it is yet to be fulfilled. Don't get worried because you will not see it fulfilled. Wait and serve. If it seems slow, wait for it. Let me back up. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Faith. Habakkuk, it's going to take faith on your part. Verse 12 says, it was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were serving not themselves but you. Has it ever occurred to you? Has it ever occurred to you that you were served by prophets who lived 700 uh, uh, years before Christ and wrote then? Has it ever occurred to you that 3,000 years ago that prophets were writing about Jesus for you? They served Peter's people in his day, but this entire, this entire post-resurrection ascension time are the last days. This is the age of the anticipated return of Christ. I love Jesus giving a shout out to those prophets. Matthew 13, 16, and 17. He's talking to people in front of him. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. Jesus is saying to the people in front of him, they wanted to see me. They wanted to see this day. They longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They longed for me, he's saying. And so he gives a shout out. To those prophets who preceded him. The prophets long to see, 
long to know what we know. But secondly, the angels long to experience what we experience. It's a tiny little line at the end of verse 12. I love it, though. Things into which angels long to look. Things into which angels long to look. Well, that word look, long to look, the phrase, just makes it different. It's just not the normal uh, to take a glance at. It means to stoop to a thing in order to look into it. So let me give you maybe a thought that will help you understand it. A few years ago, Mike Spath, who's a biology professor, Mike, uh, one of our elders here at Grace, Mike reached out and he said, Jerry, look, why don't we go on a hike? So we go uh, to Curtis Creek and he and I go on a hike through the woods. I, hiking isn't my thing. I know that's uh, shameful to live here and say that. Uh, our daughter, Hannah, would rather hike than eat. But hiking just isn't my thing. But I said, okay. And so Mike and I head into the woods. Well, when I hike, I, I'm hoping to see something good at the end. Maybe a waterfall, maybe the view of the sunrise or the sunset, whatever the case may be. But it wasn't that with Mike. I remember we're walking along, and as we're walking along on this hike, and we're just enjoying ourselves and walking along, and I look over, and I love plants, and I see a bed of ferns, just those naturally growing ferns and, and some moss around it. And I pointed that out to Mike, and he said, oh, uh, let me tell you about this ecosystem. <laughs> ecosystem? It's a bunch of ferns growing, Mike. Nope. Mm-mm. And we'd stop. And he'd say, now look at this. Now watch what's happening here. Now look at the source of the water and how it's running in here. And notice what it's producing here. All right. And we go on. Judith plays in our worship team. She's cracking up right now this morning. And so we go along. And I'd see something kind of on, on, on the side of the bank. And I'd say something. Or now Mike knew he had a nerd on his hands. And so he was giving it to me. I saw that trail and those woods through Mike's eyes that day. I, I stooped to look and examine. Angels want to see why the one to whom they sang, holy Holy, holy. The one whose hymn, the train of his robe, filled the temple. Who would leave all of that and come down to earth and be despised and rejected. They, they long to look into that. By virtue of the phrase, they talk about it. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you the sadness they must have felt when Jesus left. The grief they must have felt when he was homeless, hungry, 
and them knowing that he created it all. I don't know if it has ever occurred to you the conversations that they must have had. I don't know if, the, if, if you've ever thought about the eternal praise that went silent six hours one Friday. As the one whose very majestic royal robe was so remarkable that it would fill the massive temple, now hung naked on a cross. They had to shake their heads and ask, How, Jesus, could you look at those who are doing this to you and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what. How? How, Jesus, can you do this? How can you do this to him? How can you treat the creator of the universe like this? How can you treat the one we have sung holy, holy, holy to like this? You see, angels were created, some fell. None have ever been redeemed. Jesus did not die for them. We won't get into the weeds of what all you make of the 144,000, but picture this. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of thunder. This is John writing in the book of Revelation. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Our praise team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a song that I want you to sing with great fervor at home. Now, if you're at work, be careful. People might look weird at you. And many of you watch this later. Thousands of you every week. And we're so grateful for that. But I want you to sing this song. Why? Because it is a song that the angels are not privileged to sing. The angels long to look into these things. They long to experience what you and I as redeemed people bought back from the blood of, by the blood of Christ, bought when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Angels in heaven do not experience what we experience because they have not been redeemed out of their sins. You see, our hope looks back on what Jesus has done and looks forward to what Jesus will do. We live in the most amazing time. You 
And I look back on the cross. We look forward to the return. We live in the most amazing time. The prophets served you when they wrote, and the angels. One day, picture this and we'll sing. Of course, I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I know there's going to be an awesome wedding feast. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We'll gather there. All of his redeemed. I don't know how many angels there are, but there are hosts of them. Here's what I've imagined, pictured is that like one massive choir, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Indian. We'll gather. I don't know, I just kind of imagine that somebody like George Beverly Shea would direct it And we'll stand, and Gabriel wave his hand over the host of angels that are in this massive arena. He'll say, 